Tony Payne and welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth, the painfully named text and audio journal that seeks to bring the truth of the scriptures, which all focuses on Christ crucified, to every aspect of our lives and ministries. And this episode is one of the free send it out to everyone episodes that I put out every few weeks. And if you'd like to receive every episode, I'll tell you more about that uh, at the end of our conversation. But this is the third in a series of four episodes that seeks to answer a particular question, one that's been on many people's minds recently. And that is, why is it that some churches continue to raise up lots of people for full-time gospel work? They keep sending people off to theological college and into ministry, but other churches not so much. And Overall, this is resulting in what seems to be a decline in the number of people who are being raised up and recruited for full-time ministry these days, certainly in the circles I move in. And I've been suggesting that there are four key factors or drivers that when they're present, in my observation, churches seem to raise up lots of people for ministry. And we've already looked at the first two, and I hope it's become obvious as we've done so that these are not special niche kind of characteristics. They're really the sort of things that any healthy evangelical church should possess. Just to refresh your memory, the first two factors were, one, that the radical call of the gospel, the call to die to self and to live for Christ, that that call is being preached clearly and boldly and it's being exemplified. And secondly, that a clear theology of secular work is being taught, which neither undervalues nor overvalues its importance, and which teaches that all Christians really have the same career, the same life calling to live for Jesus Christ, that this is being clearly taught as well. Those were the first two factors that I covered in the first two posts. And now to the third, which flows out of those first two, and it concerns a culture of training. Churches that recruit people into full-time occupational ministry almost always have their own distinctive training culture. Now, training is one of those big baggy words with lots of associations, not all of them positive, I think, for some people. And so I need to clarify what I mean by training. In recent Christian history, Training has come to mean something like running courses or seminars that teach certain competencies or skills for Christian ministry, something like that. It might be a, a classic training course like the Two Ways to Live personal evangelism course, or it could be a set of training sessions that you run for small group leaders, or it could be some training videos and some online training that you do about some aspect of, of team leadership or ministry for your people. Or maybe it's a Saturday morning seminar that you run uh, on parenting or something like that. All of these things are, of course, excellent and useful. They certainly can be, but they're not the essence of training. Biblically speaking, and what I mean by training, is the persistent effort to help someone else live out the healthy, good doctrine of the gospel. Training is what the older women do for the younger women in Titus chapter 2, for example. Paul says to Titus that he wants the older women to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, 
to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and so on and so forth, that the word of God may not be reviled. And this is part of Titus's overall mission, to teach what accords with or fits with sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. That is, to teach the way of life that flows out of the good doctrine of the gospel, that is the necessary outworking of the gospel. Now, we've already seen in the first post in this series that the gospel is this kind of message. It's the kind of message that produces a different life. In fact, it ends one life and begins another. The gospel calls us to a radical new existence. We're a whole new creation. And that new existence is lived in the service of him who for our sake died and was raised. That's me channeling 2 Corinthians 5 again. Now, if we believe that the gospel is this kind of transformative, life-changing message, then it seems to me that we must be committed to teaching and helping and encouraging and supporting and exhorting one another to live out this new transformed life day by day. And training is one way that the New Testament describes this process, this ongoing, granular, on-the-ground process of helping one another live out the truth of the gospel. It's about much more than just practical skills or the ability to do something, although it's rarely about less than that as well. It's the steady development of Christian character built on an understanding of the truth of Christ, an ever-deepening understanding of that truth, and expressed in action, in daily godly action of all kinds. And so it's things like learning to pray and what that looks like and how that proceeds in our lives. It's learning to persevere, learning to give thanks in all circumstances, learning to love our families, as Titus indicates, and much more besides. And very importantly, it's also learning over time to be an ambassador for Christ, to be part of his ministry of reconciliation, to be a fellow worker, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians. Because this too is just another fundamental aspect of living each day for Christ, of living out the good doctrine of the gospel in our lives. So what we often think of as ministry skills are really just one aspect of this total picture, of living out the Christian life and growing in maturity in that and training one another in that. And so, for example, when we learn how to be concerned for non-Christian people around us and to interact with them wisely and graciously and learn how to explain to them the hope that we have in Christ, that's an aspect of the Christian life. Or learning how to encourage a fellow believer in the faith through speaking the truth in love, mutual encouragement. These sorts of godly actions and abilities are just an integral part of living out the truth of the gospel. In the same way that loving our husbands and children is an integral part of living out the gospel if we happen to be a young married woman. And training is really just the patient work of helping people do this of helping people live out the gospel practically in their lives, of helping them learn how to do that over time. Training does assume that this process of becoming more like Christ, of living the gospel out in our lives more and more, that it does take time, that it's a lifelong process of of putting on 
the new and putting off the old, as Paul elsewhere puts it. And it also assumes that God has given us each other to help do this, to help and encourage and teach and exemplify and exhort and admonish one another as we seek to live out the truth of the gospel in our lives more and more. He's given older women to younger women for this very purpose. He's given us all to each other in different ways for this purpose, to train each other and encourage each other to live and work out the gospel in our lives. And so training, it certainly involves knowledge and teaching and content, but it also involves and requires time and example and correction and practice and perseverance. Training needs more than a sermon, in other words, although sermons are vital and an excellent framework and foundation for any training. And training requires more than just a set of videos or a training course that we go through, although these sorts of things are often very handy. I, th I think of them as booster rockets for moving the training process along. They get a lot achieved, those sorts of training courses. But the essence of it, the essence of training is that someone, and usually a knowledgeable, godly experienced someone, is helping or instructing or encouraging someone else to grow in some aspect of lived Christian discipleship over time whether that's an older woman training a younger woman to love her husband and children, or a small group leader who's training the members of his group in how to share the gospel with others or how to encourage one another in the faith. Now, there's a lot more to say about training and how it works. And never fear, dear listener, it's very likely that I'll be saying it in, in coming weeks and months. I think this is a very important subject. But for the purposes of this little series of episodes... I guess the point I wish to make is quite simple. Churches that raise up lots of people for gospel service almost always have a culture of training. They're constantly working in a whole variety of ways right across the whole ecosystem that is the church. They're working to help believers grow in their knowledge, in their heart and character, and in their skill and ability to serve Christ by serving other people. Churches like this almost always have a plan, an intentional plan for training Christians to make progress as fellow workers in Christ. And this often includes, very often includes, various training courses or frameworks or activities. But these training activities or courses are just part of a larger culture of training that pervades the whole congregational life that is championed on Sunday morning and the Sunday gathering, that is part of the small group ministry that's in the home life of believers, that's part of the evangelistic outreach and, uh, and activity of the whole church and so on. Churches that cultivate this kind of culture of training throughout the congregation, they tend to raise up lots of gospel-hearted servants of Christ of all kinds and with all sorts of different abilities and opportunities. They raise up lots of Christian servants. And some of these gospel servants will display the character and the gifts that make full-time gospel service an obvious path to explore and to follow. In other words, one reason that many churches are not recruiting particular people for full-time gospel ministry is that they are not raising up and training up everyone 
for gospel ministry. It's the same reason that my hometown, my home district of Lismore and the far north coast of New South Wales, has produced some really outstanding cricketers and rugby league players over the years, but very few stars of basketball or ice hockey, because we're a, a cricketing, rugby league playing sort of town. And I guess the question is, what sort of town is your church? Well, we'll come to the fourth and final factor in why some churches raise up lots of people for ministry and others don't next week. If you want to receive that edition, along with every week's edition of The Painful Truth, and some bonus extras that I send out from time to time, as well as access to all the archive of the past posts, there are two things you can do. The first one is you can become a partner. And this is really my way of fundraising for the writing ministry that I'm currently engaged in, both here at The Painful Truth and in a bunch of other things that I'm developing and doing. And you can choose a monthly or yearly or even a lifetime partnership if you're really keen. And to do that, you can just head over to thepainfultruth.online. That's thepainfultruth, spelt in that strange way, dot online. And click the subscribe button and it'll take you through to all the options and you can see uh, there that you can subscribe monthly for $7, annually for $70, or even this lifetime option for $700. So that's one thing you can do is just subscribe and become a partner to get every week's edition. Or secondly, if you'd like to be part of the regular weekly Painful Truth list, but you aren't in a position really to support uh, the work financially at this point, that's fine. I really don't want anyone to miss out because of their circumstances. Just send me an email to tonyjpayne at me.com and I'll get back in touch and let you know how you can get The Painful Truth for free for the next 12 months um, if that's your circumstance. Well, that's about it for this week. Thanks once again for all the comments and questions that you keep sending in. Uh, last week's post about the Christian's career, about work, and the bonus essay that um, I sent also just a few days ago. I really appreciate the various comments and suggestions that you've made. My co-author of the essay, David Honey from Moore College, um, has some extra material on this subject that uh, he reminded me that he presented at the School of Theology at Moore College a few years ago. Uh, there's some extra material there that I'll be incorporating into a future form of, of that piece. So stay tuned for more on that. I'll keep working on that piece and uh, publish it somewhere in the next little while. Well, thanks again for being with me this week on another edition of The Painful Truth. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.